podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Judges chapter 6 verse 1 through 27. I wonder um, whether you've ever, first of all, have you ever played a video game? Second question is, have you ever played Super Mario? Okay, right. Now, if you haven't played Super Mario, I am certain that you have seen Super Mario. The little plumber dressed in red with a moustache that Nintendo um, were absolutely, uh, well, they, they hit the nail on the head with the game, to be fair. You can still buy Super Mario in one way or another at this point today. Um, it was an incredible game. And, and as a kid growing up, Mario was one of those games where we used to get to a certain point and then my sister had to finish the game. For whatever reason that was, um, I'm bringing Kevin on this, that we just did not have the ability to beat the dinosaur at the end. Or crocodile, whatever he was. I don't know why, but he always seemed to evade me. I couldn't possibly beat him. He was impossible, as far as I was concerned, to beat. And what seemed to be the problem is I had missed a section of the game where you receive what's called a power-up. So Mario used to go along and he used to bump his head onto these question mark boxes, okay? And out of the box would come something, sometimes coins, sometimes other bits and bobs. But in this particular occasion, there was a mushroom. And when the mushroom came out and you touched the mushroom, Mario grew in size. (laughs) He grew in stature, he did. Um, A lot like, uh, Alistair's worked some magic for a gif I found. Um, I didn't even know what a gift was until a few years ago. I was calling it a gift for many a day. Um, but no, apparently it's a gift. G-I-F-F. And uh, what happens is, um, Mario does this, look. He, 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 there he goes, and he grows. He even makes a nice noise. You see that? So he has a, a power-up moment. Now you're thinking to yourself, oh my word, he's been away and he's brought Mario to us. <laughs> Panic not. Panic not. You see, because what I want to focus on over the next couple of weeks is this thing, power up. This moment for us as the church where we start to realise that we have the potential to go on and be in victory because God has already won. But we have to realise that moment. We have to take that moment by the, the, by the, the grasp, uh, grasp onto that moment, if you like, and step into what God has called us into. The power up was the key to Mario's success. There was no good in being this big. He had to be this big. And when he was that big, everything he did was twice the power His power up meant that he was able to beat the enemy at the end. Now you um, lovely people, not all of you, but some of you will be in a position where everything, certainly last week, maybe heading into this next week, is completely and utterly new. Now I was always one of those that was filled with 
fear and dread at the unexpected. And there were those others that were confident and would just step into it and get on with it. And I'd have a good couple of weeks where I needed to get my head around everything that was going on. You know, it might be a new class, it might be a new teacher, it might be a new school. For those that have finished school, it might be a job, it might be university. And all of a sudden, so much change is happening. But all of us actually this year are in a similar boat in the sense of change. Because we've suffered through a pandemic for the last two years almost, so many months, it's so close to being two years, that we find ourselves in a position where actually the next few weeks and months, we're going to step into a lot of change. We're going to almost go back to what we'd experienced before, but nothing's ever the same, is it? Things have changed, things have happened that mean things have had to change. And sometimes, change can make us feel small. Change can make us feel as though we're completely and utterly stuck. You know, almost stuck in fear. Apprehensive of the next steps. And I'm certain that all of us, because we're all made of the same stuff, at some point have felt like we are powerless. Unable to do anything about the next steps that are about to bulldoze us over these next few days, weeks and months. And the account of one of Israel's judges that we're going to find in Judges chapter 6 is a, a boy called Gideon. And he helps us to see that God can do the impossible through anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, how brave you think you are, how scared you think you are. God can do the impossible through anyone. And we can draw strength from the Lord. We can break down barriers. We can break down walls and we can conquer anything in our path with the Lord by our side. Amen. Oh, wow, I've been away two weeks. <laughs> you naughty. So when I say amen, all right, I do not mind a little bit of crowd participation. In fact, I feel like it means you're not asleep. I'm only grateful that it was masks and it wasn't glasses with shields on because I'd not know if you were asleep or not. Yes, yes. So when I say amen, you say, yeah, there you go, you see. So Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through 27. I'm going to read this, but as I read it, we're going to go through it at the same time, okay? So I'm not just going to read a block of 27 verses so that you are completely and utterly sound asleep. I'm going to read it and we're going to break it down, okay? So the Israelites, verse 1, did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. For seven years. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites and otherites, eastern peoples, invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined their crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them. All their camels, they invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Israel once again are in a mess. 
Judges is an incredible account of God rescuing people who, for the most part, do not want to be rescued. Seven years, don't forget, they've been in this position. And only now, when they've realised they've got nothing left, now what can we do? Well, let's cry out to the Lord. Isn't that bizarre? It's like the last thing that we're going to do, only when everything else appears to have failed, are we going to cry out to the Lord. The Midianites so oppressed them that they were completely and utterly petrified. They were scared to do anything. They were completely and utterly stuck. They were living in caves, in the valleys, between the cracks in the rocks, just trying to stay out of the way. And it gets to a point where they think, well, we've got to do something. We've tried everything else. Let's try God. And my question for us today is, since when did God become the last resort? Since when did God become the last resort? Is he not the first port of call, church? Then this seven years of nonsense need not exist. He's the first port of call every time. And I find that line absolutely amazing. And I love how the writer has put it in there because it helps us to see. Because we think ourselves, when we read this, and you may be different, but I read this and I'm like, Israel, come on. And God's like, man, <laughs> we're on year four now, mate. You, you've got to listen. And when the word of the Lord speaks to us like this, we have to look at our own life and say, Lord, am I in a position where I'm getting myself to this last resort thing? You know, do I go into tomorrow thinking I'll do my best to get through the day, but if it gets to midday and I'm still struggling, then I'll probably pray. Or are we starting the day? Now, don't think it's just Israel, eh? We're exactly the same. And God's saying to us here this morning, look, let's not make this a last resort. Let's make it the first port of call. Before your feet touch the floor on a Monday morning, let's make the first port of call. God, I'm going to need you today. And I'm going to need you this week. And for whatever reason you think golf might be better, God, I need you to stay around. Like he goes and plays golf, eh? Lord, I need you to stay right here. I need you to help me. That should be our first port of call. And sometimes we can get trapped in fear. Sometimes we can get trapped because of sin. We're hiding from the enemy. Like if I stay here under the radar, firstly, God's not going to strike me down because of all the things that I've done last week that, my word, terrible. And secondly, if I just keep a low profile, the enemy's not going to bother me. So we find ourselves in these caves and these mountain clefts, hidden in the gorges, out of the way, hoping that nobody will see us. And again, we're in that moment where we need to wake up. We need to cry out to God. They've been stuck here seven years and our prayer is church that we don't go along with that, hey? That when tomorrow comes, that our starting point is at the foot of the cross. That our starting point is saying, Lord, I am going to need you today. I cannot do this by myself. Not fearful that God's going to strike us down. But that God's going to help us and sustain us. And lead us 
through the, the next steps, whatever they look like. It says, when, Israelite, uh, when the Israelites, verse 7, cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. It's like the moment that they realise that they are in a mess, they cry out to God and God sends somebody who's going to wake them up. God sends a prophet. And then we get verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree at Orphra that belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, something like that, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was threshing wheat in a hole. Now, the idea is that you get, this is before a combine harvester, all right? Or a, a toad thing behind a horse. That you would get the wheat, you would hit it against the wall in a blanket, and then you would shake the blanket out, you would send the stuff in the air, and the chaff would be blown away by the wind. Where do you thresh and winnow wheat? On a hillside. Where don't you thresh wheat? In a hole. You see, we're in a moment where if we don't realise what the word's saying to us, we think, well, that's normal. Church, that is not normal. As far as normal goes, that is a long way away from normal. He is doing, clearly, an impossible task. He sends the stuff up into the air, and I don't know whether you've ever been in a hole, but there's not a great deal of wind, is there? So what's he doing? Grain of wheat, chaff. Grain of wheat, chaff. Grain of wheat, chaff. What, what a joke. What a position to be in. So scared, so petrified, so consumed by his fear that as, as the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, that you're sort of left there scratching your head, you're thinking, hang on, here's a young lad threshing wheat in a hole, mighty warrior, he winding me up. He couldn't be less mighty if he tried. In fact, he looks like a pathetic heap in the middle of a crisis, down a hole, just trying to stay alive. And that's exactly what he was doing. Church, you know, so often we can find ourselves in the same position, just hiding away. And we've had the perfect opportunity, forgive me, to hide. We have had the perfect opportunity to keep our head down and just stay out of the firing line, just to stay off of everything and to just keep myself to myself. Church, how does that grow the church? Well, the truth is it doesn't. We've been called to do what the Lord's called us to do, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, to live our lives for the Lord, to love the Lord, to put him first in everything that we do, so that people see who we are and long then to have what we have. Not because we're a wonderful person, but by God's grace they see the Lord Jesus, amen? By God's grace they see that there is something special. And we can only do that by being in a position where we are out of the wine press. We cannot find ourselves ducking down, hoping that we won't get shot at. We have to get above the parapet. We have to get above the wine press and say, God, I am going to thresh this wheat here. And you know what? If the attack comes, I know that you're bigger than anything that's coming that way. 
I know that you are bigger than anything that's going to come over that hill. I am certain that you're in control far more than that huge army on its way. You are bigger, you are greater. And you know, church, that takes faith. And Gideon here was in a world of pain where his faith had dwindled to such a point that he had no idea that the God that he was talking to was the God of the immeasurably more. Gideon, as we go on verse 13 through 24, is less convinced that God can do anything. God calls him a mighty warrior. And I love that God does that. The angel of the Lord does that. Calls him mighty warrior. And in that moment, he is anything but. But in that moment, God knows that if I work through this lad, he is going to be a mighty warrior. If this lad just listens, if this lad steps into what I've got for him, if this lad applies his faith, then he is going to be a mighty warrior because God is able to do the immeasurably more. You know, Gideon, as we read through the verses, desires confirmation. His faith has completely and utterly dwindled and he keeps asking for God to show him. He keeps asking for God to make it clear. And you know, church, we shouldn't expect signs. We shouldn't expect signs and wonders. That got the, the Jews in trouble in the first instance, desperate for a sign and for a wonder. But what we should do is do as his word says in James chapter 4 and verse 8 that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a promise, church, isn't it? That if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Lord, I'm going to need you today, so I'm going to start in your word. I'm going to start by praying. I'm going to worship. I'm going to focus my attention on you. And as we draw near to him, his promise to us is that he will draw near to us. To focus and to draw our strength from him, as we see in Philippians 4.13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But listen... And before we move on then into to next week and where the Lord's going to take us, verse 25 through 27, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God at the top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Now you think to yourself, well that's a mouthful, what's that got to do with me? But you see, when you read that, you see that Gideon needed to make peace with God before he made war with Midian. Gideon needed to make peace with God. You know, the truth is that we do things wrong. We wouldn't be here if we thought we were perfect. Well, I hope not anyway. You see, the, the thing for a Christian is not, you know, I come to church because I'm better than everyone. I come to church because I know I am nobody, nothing. I am a sinner, but a sinner by God's grace saved. A sinner saved by grace. That, as Christians, that's who we are. That I've realised that I need a saviour. That I realise that this sin in my life is separating me from a relationship with God. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord draws Gideon to realise that there are things, Gideon, that you have been doing that need to be dealt with. If we want to go and take on Midian, and you're the man, Gideon, you're the mighty warrior, 
If we're going to take on Midian, first, my friend, you have got to sort out the sin in your life. You've got to deal with it. Stop hiding in the wine press, get out onto the top, and let's deal with the sin. And as I've already said, God is not there waiting to punish us, to hit us with a big stick and say, well, <laughs> you've been bad. That's nonsense. The Bible shows us this God of grace and mercy who is there with open arms. He sent his very best in the Lord Jesus Christ to take all of your sin upon himself. So that if we put our faith and our trust in him, then we'll have everlasting life. We'll have a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. He's ready with open arms to receive us, to help us and to guide us. We so desperately need that moment, though, church, where we get that power up. Where we get before the Lord and we say, Lord, it's Monday. It's the 6th of September tomorrow. I'm going to need you because the week ahead looks pretty terrifying. But Lord, today I'm going to draw near to you and I'm going to know that you're going to draw near to me. And we're going to walk this week knowing that you are right by my side. These coming weeks and months, as fearful as I might be, you are with me as we draw strength from him. We will, by God's grace, God willing, carry on next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you that you've spoken to us today through it. And we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to reflect, to think about our position before you. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us. Father, not to be hiding in the wine press, fearful, but Father, we'd be out on the tops, singing your praises, declaring who we are, declaring who you are, so that, Father, that your glory might be seen. So, Lord, just help us live that. And I pray, Lord, for all those over the past few days, Father, over the coming weeks where there's so much change. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just be with them. You'll strengthen them and bless them. Father, as a church, as we look into the coming weeks ahead, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us, that you'd encourage us. And, Father, you'd just give us the strength to step into each day. Help us to draw near to you, Lord. And the promise is that you'll draw near to us. Bless as we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.